And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back, Prospects of Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler. I'm joined, as always, by Lance Zerline. We're going to recap the Senior Bowl today. Big winners from Mobile. Kind of go position by position. We'll give some Super Bowl predictions. And, you know, Lance and I are working round the clock on scouting reports. So figure we might as well share a few recent players that we've done, some intriguing prospects that maybe aren't being talked about enough. So uh, let's start with the Senior Bowl. Three days of practice, one game. I know you weren't there, but you've been through the tape, Lance. And, you know, we're going to kind of breeze through these positions and kind of give a player or two that stood out, maybe guys that didn't. But let's start with quarterback. And, you know, it's it was all about Mac Jones throughout the week. He maybe didn't come in and steal the show necessarily, uh, where it was just him head and shoulders above everybody else. But with his, especially later in the week when we got to Thursday, his ability, his anticipation, his accuracy really showed, uh, especially in the red zone drills. And that's that's where you want to see it. When the field shrinks and uh, you know those, those windows are a little tighter, that's where you want to see quarterbacks be accurate and execute. And that's where he was at his best. So Mac Jones was you know clearly the top quarterback there. And I, you know, I thought that uh, being coached by Matt Rule and the Panthers staff, very, very interesting. We know the Panthers are in the quarterback market. Uh, you know, Matt Rule had some interesting comments, you know, publicly uh, about, you know, Matt Rule talked about his character, his moxie, his swagger. I mean, he gushed uh, about Matt Jones throughout the week. And so, you know, that's it's just an interesting uh, dynamic with the Panthers. Uh, they reportedly offered the number eight pick for Matthew Stafford. So again, we know they're in the quarterback market. It's how do they view these other quarterback prospects? Uh, very, very interesting situation with them with a top 10 pick. Uh, Matt, I know you didn't spend a ton of time on the quarterbacks, but uh, any of these other guys stand out to you? Was Mac Jones what you expected? Yeah, I think Mac Jones. And, and I've and I've come up a little bit on Mac Jones to a 6'2". Nice. Which a six two to me is kind of a um, a very average NFL starter, which is mm-hmm. fine. I think you know most quarterbacks would take it if you think about it. I know we get we get caught up in the world of elite this, elite this, generational this, all these hyperboles. The reality is there are very few high end quarterbacks in football today. This year, Philip Rivers was like a 6-2 type of quarterback. He was an average starter, I think, who lacked physical, some certain physical traits. And I think the same thing is true with Mac Jones. But I, I came up a little bit on Mac Jones because I just think the way he sees the field, he's really, one thing that really stood out was a couple of plays against Ohio State when I went back and watched that game. His pocket mobility and feel around the pocket was um, really, really good. So I I came up a little bit on him. I'm not as high as everyone else is going to be. I do not have him in the first round of my mock draft that is going to be coming out today or uh, tomorrow. This week, I should say, depending on when you listen 
Mac Jones clearly stood out ahead of everyone, including Jamie Newman. I thought the guy that I thought got better as the week went on was Kellen Mond. Got mm-hmm. a little better, and he was, you know, he made some throws in the game, but yeah, that game was Mac Jones. Now, now, from a running back standpoint, the guy that immediately stood out to me and the same thing I thought for the year, because I thought he had a big bounce back year, was Larry Roundtree. Mm-hmm. I thought Roundtree from Missouri and Michael Carter from North Carolina – I think two are, they're two of the more talented running backs in the senior bowl, but I thought both of them showed their diversity. They both have the ability to do some different things. And I think Roundtree is a guy who's really helped himself out a lot with his tape. He plays around 230. Like he's got great size. He came in lighter. That was intentional. Um, he and his agents agreed to, you know, that it would probably be better for him to be a little lighter, a little quicker. Yeah. And I think Larry Roundtree has really helped himself out. He could have come out last year and been like a six-round pick. I think he's going to go more like third or fourth this year. And he looks like he he got some of his uh, his game back this year. And then Michael Carter, look, Javante Williams to me is one of the most under the radar running backs for just the general public right now. He is really talented, but Michael Carter is a terrific number two over there in North Carolina. So those are two guys, Dane, that I like from a running back standpoint. Um, It is hard sometimes to, to really show out as a running back at senior bowl because of the nature of how they do it. It's not always it's full contact, but not, they don't tackle the completion. And so it can be a little tough, but I thought Roundtree and, and Carter both did some things I really liked. Yeah, Roundtree, there's nothing special about him, but he's very reliable. And I think his strengths as a runner are what translates to the pro game, you know, vision, footwork, toughness. Uh, And so Roundtree, uh, yeah, a lot of what he does is going to project well to the pros. The big thing with him that I wanted to see at the Senior Bowl was, uh, you know, what can he be reliable in uh, third down situations? Because, you know, watching him at Missouri, a lot of times they bring the backup onto the field uh, in passing situations. Um, and so I just wanted to see him be more reliable in there. And I think he did that. He caught the ball well, did so- was solid in pass protection. So uh, Roundtree helped himself. And yeah, Michael Carter, I, five running backs made my top 100, and Carter was was one of them. And I have zero regrets doing that after watching him at the Senior Bowl. He just he reminds me of a poor man's Dalvin Cook. Like he's not as big and you know doesn't quite have as much you know home run ability, but he's just so good at making guys miss. He's a problem solving back, and I just I love so much about what he offers, and uh, I think that's going to translate well. The other running back I wanted to mention is Chris Evans from Michigan, who. Did not play in 2019 with an academic issue. Um, and then this past year, barely got on the field. He had like, like 20 touches or something like that. But this guy has has a lot of ability. And, you know, I, I think that, the, you know, at, at 5'11", 220 pounds, he caught the ball well. He moved well. I think Chris Evans is a guy that is a little bit under the radar uh, just because he, at the last two years, has barely has any production. But the traits and the talent are, are certainly there. So very uh, eager to watch, uh, you know, where, see where he lands and what he could do at the next level. Wide receiver. So, so many different directions we could go here. I mean, we, we could spend an hour talking about all the different receivers and uh, how they performed. Was there one to you, Lance, that maybe stood out uh, above the rest? Mm, I would say Tony. Um, would be one. And that's because really what I've seen is his growth from last year to this year as a route runner. He still does too much freestyling at the top of the, you know, at the top of the break. Um, and that needs to be tightened up. 
But I think Kadarius and, um, you know, I thought Eskridge was, did a really nice job. He's somebody for me that I was more, I kind of saw him more as a, um, I kind of saw him more as just a vertical threat. And I still wonder about it. He doesn't have the best size, but I liked him. I really liked Dimitri Felton. I really yeah. was curious about whether or not Felton could get in and out of breaks and really run pro routes, but he absolutely did it. And I'll tell you something, the way that Felton sunk his hips into route turns, which is one of the things that I wrote as a weakness when I wrote him up. And remember I'm using running back tape and I had to go back and make some alterations. Once I saw him in senior bowl, I thought he was a little bit leggy getting in and out of his breaks at times, but I thought that was something that really did not show up at the senior bowl. I thought he had really done a nice job with his footwork and tightening up his footwork in and out of breaks. Cause Listen, good footwork means you're going to open up a little bit wider passing window. Every little bit is so important in pro football. And that was something that I thought Felton really stood out as a player who looked like a very natural um, wide receiver pretty much for the entire week. Um, That was very impressive to me. No doubt. And I know he was a wide receiver in high school and he was recruited as a wide receiver before they moved to running back. But still... You know, we weren't sure what to expect when right. he's going to be asked to run routes. How does he track the football downfield? You know, so many different aspects of the position. And he he did fairly well. I, I think he caught the ball well away from his body. Uh, he, he did look natural with his route movements. They didn't look forced. They didn't look, it didn't look like he was <laughs> thinking too much. Uh, he was able to play loose and that was great to see. Uh, hey, by the way, Kay Johnson to me is, yeah. You're going to have a hard time keeping him out of day two because Kay Johnson is just nobody could cover him there. He was so smooth. And, you know, even before the senior bowl, I'm looking at my let me look at my wide receiver grades. Um, I think he won every single rep during the week. Nobody, nobody could stick with him. And he caught everything. But he looked like that on tape, too. Like he dominated the competition. On Kay Johnson, I've got a a 6-2-4, which Mm. is. Uh, that's a third round grade. I've got a yeah. third round grade on him. And frankly, I'm probably going to move that up because I just, I just thought you just can't cover him. I mean, he's so wily and he's so, um, he's so instinctive as a route runner as well. Yeah. And it's uh, just throw on that Minnesota tape, uh, you know, the, the one FBS opponent that he faced and he, yeah, they couldn't cover him. Um, and it's, it's fascinating. He, he had a walk on at South Dakota state. I mean, just a tremendous story. It's tough when you talk about stacking these slot guys because, you know, you, you've got so many of them kind of in that day two or, you know, between rounds two and four. Guys like Elijah Moore and Amari Rogers and uh, Eskridge and Kay Johnson, Shai Smith, uh, Demetric Felton, you know, guys that are probably slot receivers. And it's going to be tough to figure out, okay, what is, I, 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 you know, tough where you feel really good about the order of those guys because they offer slightly different things, and but they win in different ways. And so I think they're all really talented. Uh, Amari Rogers definitely deserves mention for for his week. He was outstanding. I love D. Eskridge coming in to into the week. I thought his 2020 stuff was just outstanding, and he didn't disappoint. I agree. I think he was number 76 or something like that in my top 100 going into the week, and I, he's only moving up from there. So yeah, the wide receivers really showed out. I mean, that doesn't even mention Frank Darby or you know Austin Watkins had his moments. Josh Palmer. So just plenty of talented wideouts. Uh, 
coming to the uh, NFL in this draft. And it's just a really competitive position with, when you think about last year's class, you think about the already established wide receivers, and then this group of rookies, it's a really, really competitive position right now uh, in the NFL. I'm looking at my stacking right now. See, I've got Elijah more higher than probably anybody in. Yeah, me too. In the draft, uh, I got a six four on him, which is a first round grade. Now, I don't think he's going in a first, mm-hmm. uh, but I did put him in a first in my first mock draft. And because no one else has him in the first, I'll get screamed at how stupid I am. But that's OK. I- I'm OK with it. Um, and I left Kadarius Tony out of the first, but I think he'll probably go. I just kind of ran out of spots for him. Right. And that happens sometimes. Um, I'm really curious about how you have the wide receiver stacked. I've got to go watch Nico Collins more closely through the senior bowl and really focus on him. And I know he didn't play this year, but he has some limitations because he's such a long strider. There are some limitations underneath. Like he really struggled with that. But if you put him in an offense like San Francisco, you put him with layered routes, over routes, posts, uh, nine routes, you know, some digs. I think that's where he's going to be. Um, he's going to to do well. How do you have I'm kind of curious how you have him stacked? Because Rondell Moore has really lost some ground for me. Mm. And Amari Rogers moved up a little bit. Uh, Kay Johnson, I've gotten pretty good spot. I, I'm a bigger Tylen Wallace fan than other people out there. Um, yeah. How do you see have, it? Have you done a North Carolina kid, Deami Brown? Yeah, so Deami Brown, I'm just noticing that I don't have – for whatever reason, I must not have added the grade in here. Dami kind of bothered me a little bit. And let me tell you why. I see all the deep stuff that he does. Mm-hmm. My comp on him was Paul Richardson. I said, Feaster fam and deep ball specialist with buildup speed that surprises cornerbacks who are tardy to open a run. Brown is a little thin, but has good length and excellent ball tracking talent with the ability to follow the flight over shoulders and bring it in. Willing combatant when his quarterback allows him jump ball opportunities. However, Brown has two areas of primary concern. Lack of short short space foot quickness and agility allows coverage to hitch rides on short and intermediate routes. And more importantly, he simply doesn't display trustworthy hands, which could yeah. cause quarterbacks and coordinators to lose some faith if it's not corrected. So those are yep. my two. I've got more of a day two grade on him. Yeah, no, I agree. He he's somewhere in that day two mix. It there's just it's a it's it's tough to separate these guys uh when you you know where does Tutu Atwell fall in this in that group? A lot lower uh, for me than Daniel Jeremiah. I can tell you that. I love DJ, but we've got a big disparity on that. I agree. I agree. I, I, I like Tutu, but yeah, he he wasn't a guy that I considered in the top fifty. Uh, he was more. I think it was early third. I think is what I gave him. Uh, early third round. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough because yeah, Rondale Moore and Elijah Moore graded pretty similar for me. Amari Rogers is. Uh, Right there in that that late two, early third round mix. Amon Ross St. Brown. Can't forget about him. He's he's mixed in there with like a Tylen Wallace. Uh, and then both uh both Auburn receivers are really interesting. Anthony Schwartz is, is you know, he, he might run a four two. And then Seth Williams uh has a lot of ability as well. I know he's got some third round grades around the league. So it's uh and then you throw in Kay Johnson and Shai Smith and it, it's just it's just so crowded. And like a lot of talented receivers are gonna get pushed to, to day three. Guys like uh, you know, Marcus Stevenson from Houston, guys like that. Uh Shai Smith might not go in the top one hundred. What about jo- where do you think Josh Palmer goes? 
Yeah, and I really, I mean, just throw on his Alabama tape and the way he, you know, he did a really nice job going up against uh, Patrick Sertan. And he's got speed. He's uh, tracks the ball well. He plays physical. I mean, it's hard to see him going top 100 just because there's so many other guys, but he, he's a quality player. Frank Darby, the same thing. I was talking to a scout at, at the Senior Bowl, and he told me that uh, in a couple of years, we're going to be talking about. Brandon Ayuk and Frank Darby as the Arizona State receivers and not even mention Nikhil Harry. He said he likes Frank Darby a lot more than he ever liked Nikhil Harry, which is saying something considering Harry was a first round pick. So, you know, and Sage Surratt had his moments. He's more of a a big bodied guy who's going to try and post up and, but he has some, some subtle body movements to him to get open. I mean, like I said at the top, <laughs> we could spend an hour talking about these receivers. There's so many of them. And without the combine, it's going to make it a little tougher to really have a great understanding of how to stack them. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, like the 40 yard dash necessarily separates each one of these guys, but just seeing how they go through wide receiver drills, catching the football, tracking the ball over their shoulder, their their footwork, their movements, it, that little stuff helps. And we're just not going to have that this year. The pro days are only going to do so much. So this wide receiver class, uh, you know, we'll be talking a lot more about it as we go on. Let's move on quickly to tight ends. Wasn't a great tight end group at the Senior Bowl. I thought the one uh, tight end that really stood out based off of, you know, uh, things maybe we were unsure about coming in. Trey McKitty, Florida State transfer, went to Georgia, was not a big part of that offense. But when he had his opportunities, he he, he played uh, played all right. I don't think any of these. Uh, I mean, Hunter Long to me is a top 100 guy, but I don't think uh, any of the senior tight ends are guys I would consider in the top. I don't know four rounds, maybe five rounds. There just wasn't a great tight end group. I don't know if anybody caught your eye down there. No, other than who you talked about. I'm going to throw you a name of somebody that I just watched okay. and I just wrote up. And it's a prospect who you'll have to talk about this one too. Pro Wells from TCU. Mm. So Pro Wells tweeted that he got a combine invite. And that was recently. And I assume it was, I think it was recently on, on uh, his social media. I have heard that the NFL a team told me the NFL is going to have a combine. It's probably going to be in April. It's going to be a medical combine. I don't think it's right. going to be a, a, a standard combine, but the medical stuff's very important, but I had heard that it might be like 200 players. Well, if so, this guy's one of the 200 players, which was a little surprising to me, but he's really intriguing. So he, he never had more than 200 yards receiving at TCU. But he is 6'3", 6'3 and a half, about 250 pounds. And, you know, the, the tape is okay. You see him make some athletic catches. He's a very competitive uh, pass catcher. He works back to the ball when the ball's in the air. He's got a lot of talent. And then the way that he moved, I'm just like, God, he's got some basketball look to him, some basketball movement. I Google his name in basketball, and I come up with a mixtape from his junior year of high school, and this dude could go. Like, hmm. He could shoot. He's super athletic. I watch Sage Sherratt's basketball too. Sage Sherratt is like the highest scorer in North Carolina high school basketball history. Now I'm going to tell you this. One of those guys had explosive tape pro Wells and one of them didn't look physically mm -hmm. explosive. And that's Sage Sherratt. And pro, when I see that in his background and he's 250 now, I'm like, dude, get him down to 238, get him a little bit lighter and, and make him more explosive when I see that in your background and I know that basketball players have succeeded in pro football, I pay attention. And this guy, Pro Wells, I think is worth keeping a, a, an eye on because he's one of those guys that will pop 
with athletic talent in another sport, and then you start to see it in the on the football side, and he plays a position now that there's not really a standard playbook for this position anymore, the tight end right. position. It's like, can you mismatch and catch the ball? I mean, right. that's what they want to know. I think he's a guy to keep your eye on. I don't know if you've heard of him much or, or taken a look. He was an early entry. Player. Right, and, and when he declared, I, I went and looked at him some more, and you know, he, he's intriguing. I, I He didn't have a ton of production. No, the tape isn't great. Yeah. He, he, he runs with his feet low to the ground. Like, I, I, I wonder if some of that will kind of go away if he drops down to 235. You know what right, I mean? If right. he gets back down to a more natural weight. Because it feels like he beefed up just to be a quote-unquote tight end. But right. that's not, they're not going to, no one's going to confuse him for a, a true tight end on the next level. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So real quickly on the combine, this is the way it was explained to me. So everybody, you know, their normal combine invites went out and it's going to be the way that is explained in these invites is they're going to conduct a virtual medical history, do some like this online registration. And each player is going to have like a, a team athletic trainer, an NFL team athletic trainer assigned to each prospect to go over medical and injury history. And then that each prospect is going to have to go to a medical facility that's close to their geographical area to get a you know different lab test done, EKG, things like that, MRIs. Um, and then certain players, uh, it's almost like the medical rechecks, certain players will be asked to go to Indianapolis in uh, April 
for an in-person examination. Not all, not the guys that have, you know, just minor injury stuff. The guys that have maybe some possible major stuff in their past or stuff that's lingering, they'll have to go for a in-person exam. You know, the drug testing will be performed when they go for the, you know, the regional uh, medical stuff. So they're patching it together. There's a lot of, you know, different steps here that, you know, teams are going to have to figure out, but they're definitely get, going to get this medical part done. And I think one of the other things that needs to be said, I've, I've um, visited with a cardiologist here locally about this, you know, with COVID and so many players had COVID this year, they were out for a certain amount of time with COVID. There are some potential lingering effects for different uh, parts of the body, including the heart with myocarditis. Mm-hmm. That's something to me that needs to be an automatic. Like, I don't think you want to have any players not have, and it's something that you can do. You can go get it checked out locally, but you really, these players, and I think really everybody needs to have a heart screening of some sort because you can have issues that you carry in your family history. You can have issues that developed through COVID. I think that's something that I know a lot of teams, they always are very afraid of dealing with any player who doesn't have the medical exam at the combine. It's a, it's a big concern of theirs. And so this is elevated now because of COVID myocarditis. We know that has been an issue uh, for some younger athletes that needs to be looked at, I think. And so that's why the medicals to me, even the virtual medicals, I'm a little, I'm not going to say suspicious, but I wonder if teams are going to be okay with this verbal medical thing, because there are some things that you might not have had any issues ever in the past, but that needs to be diet, you know, that, that need to be diagnosed so that you are, you are healthy in the future. Yeah. It's going to be just different. And it's, I was thinking about this the other day. We're going to see some teams that maybe aren't in that we have to win right now mode. Try to trade out of this draft and just stockpile picks for next year in an effort to, you know, when things are more normal and we know more and the risk isn't as high. Draft a few players this year, but try to stockpile picks for next year uh, just when things are more normal. So just kind of a, and like this draft's going to be challenging and uh, it's just going to be part of it. So uh, it's going to make it interesting. Uh, Let's move on here to tackle. Two players I wanted to mention here, uh, Dylan Radins and Deontay Smith. I don't think either of us were very high on Radins going on going in. Mm-hmm. I thought his 2019 stuff was uh, great him as a fourth round pick. Uh, that's to me. That's what his 2019 film showed. He looked a lot better uh, during senior bowl practices. Yeah, uh, I thought so too. I read nice his job grade a little bit. Yeah, so did I. He, he looked good at tackle. He he looked a lot more smooth in pass protection. His play strength was better. He answered a, a several of my worries, and so. You know, I I don't know if it's just from training. You know, he's been working with Joe Staley and, you know, just uh, in terms of improving some of the the fundamental stuff. And so I thought he definitely helped himself. I think he's, you know, there's a good chance he's going on day two now because of what he did in Mobile. Yeah, I would say so, too. I 100 percent agree. I thought the play strength, you know, there's still some issues with when you get to the top of the rush. He will do some lunging and it and the, and the edge of the rush will get a little soft on him because he kind of panics instead of continues to move his feet. And 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 it's hard to punch. And when you feel him turning, it's hard not to lean towards it. It's hard to just keep the feet sliding. That's a muscle memory thing. And that's something that I think may always be an issue for him. That concerns me. There are times the hands got too far outside. But overall, the general core strength I thought was a lot better. And um, I still feel confident that he could be a starting guard in the NFL, mm-hmm. but I, I I did come away 
feeling a little better about him in terms of his ability to play tackle for sure. And Deontay Smith, I've just got to go completely and redo everything because I've got to go look at him. I really did not have a good grade on him and tape. And a lot of it is based on play strength, but I thought he and Robert Jones, who I don't know if Robert Jones is going to be a longtime NFL player, but I thought Robert Jones from middle Tennessee state and Deontay Smith were two guys that played a lot. Deontay Smith showed better strength and Robert Jones showed better short space movement, more functional Mm -hmm. movement. So when you see things like that, and this is, look, I I don't mind being wrong on stuff. I want to get it right. I want, I want to be accurate. It's a process. Yeah. It's a process. And when you see that you go, okay, you know what? Because some of these guys like, um, you know, my dad worked with David Moore from Grambling. He worked Mm -hmm. with him for two weeks and I know what David Moore's issues are. I know it from watching tape. He's a guy from the SWAC who didn't even play in 2019. His technique needs some major work. Um, there's stuff to do. But my dad got in there, worked with him on some things. He texted him after watching tape of the first two days. And David Moore really played a lot better. And, and this is a guy who got some work. Quinn Miners, his tape does not look the same in 2019 as a senior bowl tape. It just not doesn't. Close. And Duke Manningweather has done a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, guys get better with more training, more work, more technique. So that's why you talk about being a process. The senior bowl stuff is really a big deal because some of these guys, they've made some minor adjustments or technique work whenever they're with whoever they're with, and it's made all the difference in the world. Yeah, uh, minors, I mean, moving the interior offensive line here, uh, I mean, we, 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 we've gushed enough about minors at this point. Um, but yeah, he went from working with, because not having that 2020 season, went from working with the Watt brothers, their trainer, to Duke Manyweather, to Exos. And it shows. Uh, I mean, geez, what a difference. And talking to a scout the other day, said that, you know, the interviews were solid, you know, uh, you know, good enough, that type of thing. And so, I, it's going to be hard to see him not going in the top 100 when it's all said and done. Uh, I thought Creed Humphrey helped himself as well. I thought you worried about you know his lack of length, you know, in terms of some of those reach blocks, and in terms of some of you know handling quickness, uh, NFL style quickness. But I thought he handled himself well during practice, and you know I think he kind of cemented himself as a top 75 guy, maybe a top 50 guy, uh, just a guy that's going to come in and compete for starting reps uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, I would. Um... I would completely, I would completely agree with everything you just said. And when you, you know, the thing with Creed Humphrey to me is when, when you're in the middle of, as they say, the bullets are flying and the game's really going on. That's one thing. Can you maintain the muscle memory reflex? Because his 19 tape wasn't as good as his 20 tape, specifically mm-hmm. to Creed. Um, but the inside hands he used, the he's always had good core strength. He's always had some flexion in the ankles uh, to, to kind of anchor down. But you look at 18. And his own line coach will tell you, you know, he may have been the best offensive lineman on that entire offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award as a freshman. He's grown into a leadership role. But when you get out to the senior bowl, now I got to figure out, okay, I saw a lot better inside hands on tape. I saw it go a little outside. Has he just corrected it? And there's a chance he's just corrected it. I moved Creed Humphrey up a little bit uh, from my rankings before um, where I had him. So, Deontay Smith, I don't know what to do with him. I got to figure that one out. Um, Robert Jones is still, to me, just a back-end guy. But these guys, like, where do you put Quinn Miners now in your in your discussion? Is he day uh, two for you? Yeah, I think he has. I mean, he's, he has to he, be. He's Ryan Jensen. You know, he's a he's, powerful 
center who can handle three, four, zero techniques. Well, and that's the thing. Is he a guard or a center? He never played center in his life before the senior bowl, which is just mind boggling considering how good he was. He was a left guard at, at Wisconsin Whitewater and he worked out as a center. He he trained as a center and he, he looked like it. He was very natural for him throughout the week in Mobile. Um, so I think, you know, uh, did you watch Josh Myers from Ohio State? I did. Uh, you did, mean at the senior bowl or you're talking no, about? No, just in general. Yeah. He didn't... Th- no, Josh turf is toe. out, right? He, yeah, yeah, he, he had turf toe. So yeah, he I out. wrote I wrote Josh up. So Josh is one of those guys who here's a little I made his comp was Graham Glasgow for me. Okay. And um when Graham was coming out, Graham's a guard now, but played some center. Guys who look like Josh Myers are gonna play a long time in the NFL. Mm-hmm. When you have that kind of build, that kind of width, he's got good strength. Josh Myers is gonna play a long time. Now I didn't think Josh Myers was I didn't think he was special. I thought Josh Myers looks like an NFL starter and a solid one, but Josh Myers does everything pretty well. And he's got a great physical presence in terms of how he's built and the way that he looks the part in the NFL. When it comes to offensive linemen, you want them to be wide in the, in the uh, you want to have wide hips. You want to have, you know, thick calves, if you can get it, or at least decent sized calves and ankles, you want to have that broad chest. And I think he fits that mold. And I liked what I saw. I didn't see a great drive blocker or anything like that, but he had the strength to seal guys off and get in position. He was smart. He had good hands. Um, I liked him. I liked him fine. Yeah. And, and so I think Josh Myers, Creed Humphrey, and then Quinn Miners. I mean, I, th- those are your top three centers, right? Uh, those are the three guys that I think have a very good chance of going in uh, the top 100 conversation. So it's 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 just amazing with three. I don't remember a player helping himself as much as Quinn Miners did this year at the Senior Bowl um, in terms of three days of practice, basically canceling out three years of tape, which is last you know, second invite to the Senior Bowl. Yes, if Landon Dickerson doesn't have his ACL tear, then Quinn Miners isn't there. And I, I think that you know Ali Marpet when he was coming out of Hobart. I mean, he dominated that competition. I, I think he was already in that mid-round uh, conversation, and you and you thought he would come in and play well, and he did, and he turned into a second-round pick. Miners was uh, at best. I mean, the the highest grade I heard from him, and just talking to a lot of people throughout the league, was a six-round pick, and but most had sevenths or PFA grades on him based off his 2019 film, and he comes in there and just blows everybody away, and now. Uh, a team that needs a center is going to look at him in uh, somewhere on day two and and probably pull the trigger. So let's let's uh, transition over to defense now. Uh, run through some of these defensive end. The player that really caught my eye, Cam Sample uh, oh, from man. Tulane. He, he was, was hard to deal with. He, and inside outside, they, they they lined him up. You know, because there were so many, or there there were not enough defensive tackles this week, and so we saw a lot of edge rushers kick inside. And, you know, when a lot of them looked like they didn't belong there, Patrick Jones being one of them, but Cam Sample had no problem. Uh, I love the way he would use quickness. He would use power. He would keep blockers guessing. The fact that he could tap into either one of those, blockers didn't know what was coming, and that gave him the advantage. Very strong hands. Uh, he's well-built, 6'2", 3 quarters, 275 pounds. He's got that that upward punch that just really controls the point of attack but he also has the quickness where he can cross the face of blockers and you know win gaps so cam sample was the 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 guy to me at defensive end that really stood out 
Yeah, I thought Cam Sample. I thought uh, Basham, Boogie Basham, did a nice yep. job of showing his power. I think he is who he is. You know, it's a power base end with a chance to potentially reduce down some, play some four eye um, in a, in an odd front if you need him to because he is very very strong. Sample was very impressive. I thought a guy who had some pretty decent reps that I really don't know a lot about, Chauncey Golston. I thought yeah. Chauncey Golston actually had some reps where I said, "Huh, you know, that's that's I, uh... that's not too bad." Yeah, I, I really like him. Uh, it, not as a, He's not a feature starter, I don't think, but a guy that's just going to be part of the rotation, a sub-package guy. I mean, you see, he's not a great bender. He's uh, maybe not like a fast track type of player, but I, he's got lateral quickness. Uh, he, he uses his length really well to get into blockers and bully them, push them backwards, uh, and create open lanes for himself. He's got he's very instinctive, a good uh, good eye for the football, understands what offense is trying to do. So Chauncey Golson, yeah, he's he's the type of guy who's going to come in and be a, a really key rotational piece on a defensive line. Um, and on the inst- interior, Owa Digizua from UCLA, just an easy player to like. I don't know what he's going to give you as a pass rusher, but he's so strong with his hands and he wins the point of attack and he's just a, he's a guy that's just going to be I mean you can line him up as a base end you can kick him inside as uh as an interior player there's so many things you could do with him uh, and he's just going to be a, a strong player for a long time he another guy you talk you know we're going to talk about probably uh, Melifon if you ought to Melifon how he's a little bit different than his brother Obi it's yeah. the same thing with with this kid uh different than uh you know his brother former third round pick of the Giants who fizzled out um you know I, I think he's a little more football focused and uh, a little more ready to be a professional yeah and that was a, the question was and i think he's got a little more polish too to his game mm-hmm. uh coming out not as much explosiveness but a little bit more polish in his brother and uh, you know keep in mind it's always like nfl teams are not just looking at one-on-ones they're looking at how guys hold the point of attack when they have that drill uh for defensive linemen they want to see sometimes they want to see how you bull rush i mean it's not just about getting to the edges and and always do that and if you're a defensive line you want to show an ability uh to bull rush and, and do some things like that um what did you think of the kid from um from usc uh marlon to a to a pollute pelotu yeah i'm a fan I'm a fan. I think he's. I think he's a day two pick, um, and I thought he, he he gives you. He's strong at the point, but he also gives you a little bit of pass rush. He's got strong hands. Uh, you know, he's got a little bit of you know the lower body agility that you want, where he can uh, knock on different gaps. Uh, and I think he gives you that uh, versatility inside, where he can take some snaps at one technique. He could play the three, just do some different things. I, I I really like him. This isn't you know we've talked about it. Not a great defensive tackle group. But there, there are some talented players. I think he's one of them in that day two range. Did you like him uh, when you watched him? Yeah, I did. I, my big question, and I talked to some uh, a couple of West Coast scouts, and you know they questioned size, and they brought up could he play for us? And they went down there. They went down. Who are we replacing with this guy? And mm. when you say it like that, it is really interesting. Like when you look at the position group and you throw a random team: Tampa Bay, Kansas City, uh, Pittsburgh, whoever whoever the team is going to be, and you say. How now you need to find the scheme specific. I mean, he's a four-three defender. But if you say, okay, who does he replace either at a shade nose or a three technique? And then you have to go through and you say, okay, is he better than this guy, this guy, this guy? Mm-hmm. And when you really go through a roster and you start to look at it that way, and you start to look at it from the NFL eyes, it does it will change you a little bit. I backed off of him a little bit because I saw some things I really liked, and I still do, but he's not the biggest guy out there. 
He's not a big NFL six foot four, 318, 320 pound guy with some, you know, with 34 inch arms. I mean, that's not who he is at all. So he's a little bit undersized by NFL standards, but I did like him. And I love that he plays with so much energy. And I think he's going to be one of these guys who's not going to be fun to block because he has an ability to just get off of blocks. The same thing with uh, his teammate. And, um, I, you know, I've got a day three grade on him. But to me, he's going to be a rotational defensive lineman. That's what I think. Now, you know, I, I got to say the two guys that disappointed me a, a little bit were the Pittsburgh guys. And I thought Patrick mm. Patrick Jones, now I've had a fifth round. I'm lower on him than pretty much everybody. But the me thing too. that really bothered me, and I love the explosiveness and the get off and all that. That's undeniable. What does he do at the top of the rush? You know what you, we saw? He couldn't get the He couldn't get his hips flipped. He couldn't get his his shoulders turned. Watch how often he gets redirected where his shoulders are still squared to the goalpost, where he just doesn't have that, that, that ability to flip the hips and, and, and upper body around the edge and to rip up under and rip and run. You just don't see that. And Rashad Weaver, to me, just had some serious balance issues, was trying to his spin move get, gains ground, but he loses his balance when he does it. And a lot of times he's he's like crashing into the quarterback as he's headed on the way to the ground, even on tape. Patrick Jones, to me, is who I thought he was, which is an explosive athlete. But I really question his ability to convert that athleticism into an NFL rush. And then Rashad Weaver, um, to me, I had to lower him a little bit because I didn't see he's not a twitchy athlete, but mm-hmm. I didn't see the physical presence to overwhelm guys at the senior bowl like I was hoping to. Yeah, I don't think either of them were particularly impressive. Um, you know, I, I liked Weaver a lot more than Jones on tape just because I think he, he can stack and shed. He can uh, he, he's equally uh, effective versus the run and the pass. Um, but yeah, I agree. He did not stand out in Mobile. And I had a late two on him coming in. And, you know, he I, I still think he's a day two player, but probably maybe not a top 60 guy, more like a top 75 type of player. Patrick Jones, uh, he just made my top 100. So, you know, a guy that's late three, early four, because, you know, he's, he, I agree with everything you say. He's just an all gas, no breaks type of rusher where, you know, he's just going to try and win off the snap and figure out the rest later. And a lot of times he doesn't. So, uh, you know, with more coaching and things, he can figure that out, but it's still, it's not, uh, not something that, you know, you're gonna have to learn on the fly. It, it's something that you're gonna have to try and work at. And I'm not sure he's going to be able to get there. But at a certain point, late three, early four, that's where I think it you know becomes maybe worth it to take a chance on him. Let's move to linebacker. Uh, Jabril Cox, to me, what he did in coverage, which, you know, he, he throwing the North Dakota State tape, throwing the LSU tape, it's nothing new. He, he's a very comfortable athlete in space, runs really well, and no surprise he was able to do that in Mobile. Uh, him and Baron Browning definitely stood out. I thought K.J. Britt did as well as you know, that, that downhill hammer. Baron Browning can just can run so well. Teams are going to look at him as a designated pass rusher. They're going to look at him as a stand-up guy who can cover tight ends. You can just do so many different things with him. And I don't think he's the best in terms of diagnosing, but just, you know, not try not or put him in situations where he doesn't really have to overthink things. Just let him say, okay, cover that guy or just, you know, go get the quarterback. You know, give him uh, simple assignments like that. Aaron Browning is going to be a guy that the uh, offenses have to deal with. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, the Jabril Cox, I want to get back to him for a second. Jabril, I like Jabril a lot. I think that he's got the physical tools. I think sometimes it takes him a little bit to process um, because he has been inside, outside. To me, you you let him play outside and let him go chase it. He's got great speed and he's incredibly physical. And he does have some he does have some skills in, in coverage as well. Like he's instinctive following the quarterback and jumping those passing lanes. As far as Browning is concerned, he's an interesting one for me because I struggle. I struggle with him. I love the physicality and I love the attack oriented way that he plays. I just, you know, I'm sure you have prospects like this where you just, you can watch all day long. And you're like, man, I just don't have a feel one way or another. He mm-hmm. Browning was kind of that guy for me where I'm trying to think of one. I had one here just recently and you just can't. Oh, Isaiah McDuffie. I'm sitting there watching Isaiah McDuffie. And, you know, it's funny. If, if you look at pro football folks' grades on him, you would think Isaiah McDuffie is one of the worst players to ever play football. <laughs> I don't know if they made mistakes or what their metrics were or whatever, because I've got tape that automatically ties to like, I can look up, not the grades, but I look up the, um, the, all the run snaps, all the passing mm-hmm. snaps. And it's very easy to get through that. They're great on this guy. You would think he's the biggest scrub that's ever played. And yet when I watched him, I mean, he had some missed tackles. I, granted, I'll give you that, but he's very, he's got great instincts, great play recognition from, from uh, in terms of alignments and, and, and just tendencies. Um, he gets there in a hurry. He's got great burst. He, he plays with some leverage like, but then I'm thinking, God, I don't, you know, he's undersized. He's probably an inside linebacker. Like, what do I do with a 220 some odd pound linebacker? Mm-hmm. I got to make sure I keep my filter clean from these, you know, awful grades they gave him on everything. And now he's not good in coverage. That grade was probably accurate. But sometimes I'll watch a guy forever and ever and ever and just be like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just, I guess he's a player. And I'm not saying that about McDuffie, but it can be hard balancing out pros and cons. And then sometimes you just run into a player, um, Raekwon McMillan. I never felt Raekwon McMillan when I watched him from Ohio State. I just, I couldn't get excited about him. And there wasn't anything that really stood out that that I loved about him. And I sometimes I feel the same way with Baron Brown. And that doesn't mean he's, he's not going to be a player, but um but then, you know, I look at another Ohio State guy with uh, Harrison, and I liked Harrison. I Granted, he doesn't have the physical body type of an NFL linebacker. He looks different. But I watch tape, and I'm like, you know, I kind of like the way Harrison plays. Right. Yeah, I agree. Harrison from last year's uh, Malik Harrison. Harrison. I mean, Malik Harrison, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, one other linebacker I wanted to shout out was Grant Stewart from Houston. This is – I did not like him on tape. The size, you were wondering, okay, well, he, he's – looks like a safety out there. I love how he flies around. I love how, uh, you know, his energy that he plays with, but you know, what, what is he going to play at the next level? And I still have that concern because he's a linebacker safety tweener, but man, the energy this guy plays with watching him all week at practice, he is going to play on special teams for a long, long time in the NFL. And I don't, I don't know what he's going to do on defense. Uh, you know, he he doesn't really have a fit uh, for a base defense, but Special teams, man, he is fun to watch and he's going to he's going to make it because of that. Yeah, I'm going to have to really the size the tape is hard for me to get around there, Dane. I, yeah. I just I agree. I, I didn't like him off tape. 
He just physically doesn't have the physical dimensions. I'll watch more of the senior bowl and see if I buy in. I'm concerned right off the bat. Uh, Now he does have speed. (laughs) Let me tell you, it's funny because laterally, if you watch him shuffle laterally, and this is where tight hips are tricky for people, right? There can be guys who are the tightest hip guys who barely bend and they vertical leap. Like it's a spring mechanism. They can vertical 40 inches. They'll run a four, four. This is a guy who can run. Now, Stewart can really run in a straight line. There's a game, and I can't remember who he's playing, where he runs the length of the field and runs down a running back. Like, he can really run. But then when you watch him laterally, when he has to laterally slide, those tight hips don't allow, you know, as much movement laterally. Mm-hmm. So he, he'll he lose speed if he tries to slide laterally and keep his, you know, and keep his pads square. Uh, but then when he turns to run, well, this Joker's just got insane burst and top end speed. So he's just not long, but he's always around the football. I don't know. There's something, there's something about the way he plays a game that makes me believe. I fully, I fully understand those guys make it in the league, as special teams hawks who also end up being backups. I don't see him as a starter at any point. No. And maybe I'll miss on that. But um there is something about guys who always end up around the ball. It's just, you know, that's why the Isaiah McDuffie I bring up from uh, Boston College, man. When you're always around the ball, Jabril Cox, those guys tend to stick around in the league. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of players that you just don't know what to do with, to me, that's Chaz Surratt a little bit for me. You know, he's 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 already 24 years old. He's an or he will turn 24 years old this month. Uh, he's an older guy. Made the late transition from quarterback to linebacker. A good athlete, and he's fairly smart. Uh, and for a guy who you know did, was a quarterback, he had over 100 tackles his first year at a linebacker. So he's really productive. I, just trying to figure out what he is the next level. Uh, trying to pin that down has been a a struggle for me. So I, I'm still kind of going back and working on him. I there's a lot to like about him. It just I don't know how much to how much to love him, how much that, you know, where he needs to end up. I don't, did, did you love Surratt? Nope. Um, yeah. And my problem with I, I love now he's another one. It ends up around the football a lot. So right. I respect it a lot. I gave him more like a, a fourth round grade. Okay. And here's my thinking on it. Chaz Surratt is fast. He's athletic. Uh, physically, he really struggles when taking on blocks from a from a, yep. an instinctive standpoint, misses run fits badly, like just doesn't have a great feel for where to be. With that said, he finds the football. He is has a great nose for the ball. He ends up where he needs to be. When I say nose for the ball, though, it sometimes it's a it's a the GPS takes him on some on some mm-hmm. routes that are not shortcuts. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. And 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 the issues. Like, like he has to be a run and chase will for me, but I think what you're going to see with him, I gave him a grade that amounts to a standout all-star special teams player with backup linebacker to event to uh, a linebacker. Number four, basically, I think he'll get better with instincts, but people just anointing him in the second round. When you watch the tape, you can't just miss your run fits in the NFL. He gave up some big plays. And you know yeah. that, Dane, you've seen it. Yeah. The oh, yeah. tackle strength, I mean, there, there's some issues with his size where the size, the inability to take on a block, slip a block, the, the run fits, there were some big plays that he gave up. So while he makes a lot of plays, and you should never discount somebody who can fill up an entire stat sheet as a two-year linebacker, I don't discount that. Over 200 tackles. 
Yeah. Like, dude, that's you, you must take that into account. Mm-hmm. I can't buy all in with my projection though, because there is a lot of work for him to still do on the next level. Well, and I think that's where I struggle is because it's a projection because I, I agree with everything you said, but when you factor in, he's been playing the position for two years, basically, you know, how much better can he get? Exactly. And you have to put that in. Right. And it's tough to, and that, that's where I struggle with him is just trying to figure out, okay, what, is is he going to be a guy that's going to be you know disciplined enough where he can develop and become a starter? I I could see it happening, but I don't know how 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 great I feel about that. And so that's that's why Surratt is a guy that I struggle with. Um, you know, it's going to take me probably the rest of the process to really feel uh, great about his projection. But you know, that's why it's a process. Moving to cornerback here, we got to finish up defensive backs corners. I, you know, they it, it was tough for those guys. Uh, the wide receivers ha- had such a great week. I, the one that really stood out to me as better than I thought going in, Benjamin St. Just, uh, corner from Minnesota. Uh, start, he's a uh, former top recruit from Canada, goes to Michigan. There's some controversy there. They tried to make him sign retirement papers and this and that. He goes to Minnesota and he's just, he's so long uh, and he plays so light. Now, He's grabby. The instincts aren't really uh, what you want, but he he's he moves so light and he and he plays so long that he's able to disrupt uh, disrupt the pass and make plays. So he's he's a little bit better than I thought going in. He's really intriguing to me. Yeah, he was somebody that I knew nothing about really, and so I I saw some flashes and I'm like, okay, well I got to write him for sure now because there's so many. Usually I have all the senior bowl guys written up, but because there were so many invited and mm-hmm. so many that were had to be invited on top of the original invites, um, I just I don't have enough on him. I do want to ask you about this though. This is a topic that I've had with a couple of scouts who were very very upset that so many players opted out of the actual game. Their point was go compete against the other team that you haven't seen, go finish the job because locally it, it benefits um, charities and, you know, eventually ticket sales will come back since we've had opt outs with COVID since that phrase came into our lexicon where players could opt out. We saw in season opt outs, which teams were not a a fan of. I, I had, I had a scout tell me this and I'll, I'll put the player's name out there. This is not my comments. This is scouts comments. He said, Jack Anderson was a free agent before he came in for Mm -hmm. me. He said, and I didn't like this kind of move where he opts out. What's he opting out for? Why is Jack Anderson opting out? Now I don't know if Jack Anderson was hurt. I I don't know any of that stuff. I just know that the opt outs are really starting to get on the nerves of guys who are looking for people who love football and want to play. Um, I want to get your thoughts on that. And if you think this is going to be a major concern for the senior bowl moving forward. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Jack Anderson's he's a good example of a player that, uh, in the two tapes I watched before the senior bowl, I, I was kind of intrigued, but in that Texas tech offense, man, uh, kind of hit a lot of his deficiencies. And we saw that during the week, especially the lack of length that showed up quite often. Uh, and uh, quickly shout out to Jimmy Morrissey from Pitt, who training in Pensacola, did not get the invite to the senior bowl. And then because of the, these guys deciding not to play in the game, Jim Nagy has to give him a call and say, Hey, can you drive the hour to mobile and play in the game? Went through some walkthroughs on Friday and credit to Jimmy Morrissey for doing that and holding his own during the game. Uh, but that, that was the case. They, they struggled with uh, guys deciding, well, I've got, you know, three good days of practice. I'm not going to play in the game. And that's, 
it, it is something that you you don't want to set that precedent. What are you going to do? It's you can't force guys to play. Um, you know, all they have to do is say, well, you know, I I banged up my hand during practice and I I don't want to injure it anymore and things like that. So I don't I don't really think you can police it, but it's definitely not a precedent that you want to set. No, and I'm really concerned about it. I mean, because look, if it were just a week of practices and scrimmages, I I would be fine with that. But I also recognize that it's much more than that to the people in Mobile. It's much more to the business communities. It's much more to the charities. And um, I just, I I really worry that we're going to see juniors opt out of college football next year. Just say, I'm just going to work on, um, you know, I, 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 I worry that it's not in the best interest of the players sometime. Now, the football thing, you know, agents are all going to text me after this and right. complain about, you know, yeah, that's fine. But I just, I like watching them compete. And this is the year of all years that I really wanted to see game action. I wanted to see, I didn't think the American offensive line got a great look against the American defensive line. So I wanted to see them play against the national defensive line. I actually wanted to see a lot more of the game than I usually do. Right. No, I agree. All right. Well, we went long with this podcast, so we'll we'll cut it off there. Uh, we'll we'll save our special teams takes uh, for later. Real quick, uh, Lance, who's going to win the Super Bowl? I like um, I like the Chiefs. I don't think it's going to be easy, but I think they overwhelm. I don't think the the ability you couldn't stop Tyreek before. It's a bad matchup for for uh, Tampa. And mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to change defensively some of the things they do to to affect Tyreek Hill, and all that's going to do is open up a, the floodgate somewhere else. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Unless Tampa can just get unreal pressure consistently on that uh, uh, on the Chiefs' offense and, and make it work, uh, it's, it's gonna, just going to be tough to slow them down. So, no, I, I agree with you. So, uh, all right, well, that'll do it uh, for this week's Prospects to Pros. You can find Lance at Lance Zerline. I'm at DP Brugler. As always, please subscribe, rank, comment. We really appreciate that. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.